the Sports Talk with Devin Wade recap. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. What we think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade briefcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Sports Talk with Devin Wade briefcast. Not to be confused with a full-fledged episode. If you're not familiar with what that is, uh, essentially the briefcast is just me able to come to you guys minus some of the bells and whistles of a full-fledged episode. So if you haven't had a chance to check out full-fledged episodes, I suggest you go do that on any platform in which you get your podcast. But I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff. But this is sort of a hybrid. I'm coming to you quickly or briefly because I'll have more content for you this week. And I want to thank you guys for being patient with me. It's been absolutely an incredible time for me. What's happened? Let's see. The Astros win the World Series. World champs. That happened. We co-hosted a stage at the parade, the Astros Victory Parade. That happened. Jackson State came to town. We wrapped up the Texas Southern Tigers season. Almost went to the SWAC championship. Heart was broken. Tell you more about that probably on the next episode. And uh, not to mention what Thanksgiving, travel, all these sorts of things, other projects I'm working on, other shows, other things I've been doing. It's been a crazy, crazy time. But thank you guys for being so patient with me as I have not gotten you the content that you deserve and you have become accustomed to. But this time out, and and this is why I say it's a hybrid, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit, but mostly I wanted to get this conversation on with Texas Southern legend, former TSU wide receiver and TSU legend, Cortez Hankton. Now, Cortez Hankton is a former NFL player, played with Jacksonville for a few years. In addition to that, he is the current wide receiver coach and passing game coordinator for LSU. He won a national championship as a receivers coach with UGA with Georgia. So he's had a tremendous time. He's going back to the SEC championship game with Brian Kelly at the helm at LSU. And we had this conversation some time ago, but I did play portions of this conversation at halftime of TSU of a TSU football game. But I really wanted you to hear from him even though we should have got this to you a lot of things have been happening and we haven't been able to get this conversation on in a more timely fashion but still with the content is the same as good of a player as he was the way he conducted himself and his uh, availability and his ability to to support texas southern and always willing to try to make time to come back great family guy great example of a texas southern tiger and he's gone on to do tremendous things and he's just getting started in so many ways so that's coming up want to remind you guys there are ways that you can get involved in the conversation so that's important because a lot of stuff is going on this week you got deshaun watson coming back he will be making a start here in houston you have the university of houston cougars number one in the nation first time since 1983 in five slamma Man, you know, I have thoughts on that. Uh, So much stuff happening in and around the NFL. Lovey Smith, can you believe it? Under pressure? Is he under pressure? It seems like he's under pressure. And people may be calling for a change. I don't get it. 
I honestly do not get it, but uh, all of those things we'll talk about. They're coming off a loss at Miami. Of course, Reggie Brown from the special teams unit, we'll have to get him involved in the conversation to talk about his Dolphins. So much NFL stuff going on. So a lot of fun things going on, and you want to comment on those. I know you do. And I want to hear from you guys. We all want to hear from you. So you can give us a call on the sports line, 24 hours a day, 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. You can call, leave a message, a question, a comment. If you want to talk about Deshaun, you can. Whatever you want to get into, you certainly can. Leave a message, and you might just end up on the very next podcast so you also can do that and you can also join us on the sports talk with devin wade group page on facebook you can like the fan page but be a part of the group and there are poll questions a lot of content is posted all the time if you want to get into some trash talk or brag about your team or brag about a historic figure whatever you want to get into sports talk with devin wade group page on facebook you can do that and you can follow me on twitter at Wade's words. So what we're going to do, take a brief time out, come back on the other side so you can hear that conversation with Cortez Hankton. This is Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Briefcast found anywhere you get your podcast. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. This is Eddie Robinson, head football coach of Alabama State University. And of course, I listen to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. I want to get into that conversation with Cortez Hankton, but first, want to uh, talk about a couple of things. Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, confirmed that Colorado has offered him the head coaching job. Now, he didn't say that he was going to take it, and he didn't say that he wasn't going to take it. He is focusing all his attention on the SWAG championship game on Saturday. Now, I thought, and I told you, and I thought from the very beginning, that this wouldn't be a long ride with Coach Prime and that he would get out. I thought Auburn would be the job that he would get. That job, Hugh Freeze got that job. So it didn't happen. Not even Cadillac Williams got that job, who was the interim coach there. But I will say this. Um, yeah, South Florida was in the mix. 
And, and I thought uh, because I mean maybe this is low hanging fruit, but I thought the 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 rivalry in the commercials and the sort of back and forth between Saban and Prime would lead him to go to Auburn or give him an opportunity to go to Auburn. They went a different direction. Uh, he may take the Colorado job. South Florida is right there. He's from somewhere down there in Florida. He's a Florida guy. So I maybe not South Florida. He's some, he's from somewhere, but nonetheless, it looks like he may um, he he's gonna get out. I think, and maybe that'll come after the SWAC championship game. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, it, it seems less and less likely that he'll be back again. What does that mean for Shadour Sanders, his son and star quarterback? I don't know. You know. But let me tell you how Southern got to the SWAG championship. And this has led to a huge heartbreak for your boy. So I go and call the season finale for Texas Southern. Texas Southern has an outside chance to get to the SWAG championship. How do do they get to the SWAG championship? Okay, here's how they do it. Prairie View has to lose. They have to beat Alabama A&M, a 3-7 Alabama A&M team. And Southern has to beat Grambling in the Bayou Classic. Well, Grambling's kind of down. I know that's a rivalry game, but you anticipate Southern's going to win that game. So, and then Alcorn had to lose as well. Alcorn lost to Jackson State. So that kind of was, you kind of pencil those two things in. But Prairie View losing to Valley was kind of unexpected, although Valley beat them last year. I didn't see that happening again to first year head coach, our guy. Bubba McDowell, friend of the podcast, been knowing him for 30 years. That's my guy. And I hadn't called him yet, but they lost that game to Mississippi Valley, and they lost it about an hour before the conclusion of our game. So Texas Southern, I'm calling the game. I see that Preview loses the game, and you can see for a while that they were going to lose that game. So now Texas Southern, who has a 20-3 to lead, is rolling. And I'm like, Man, let me call the swag. And during the commercial break, I called the swag to make sure that what I was saying was true. If they're if they win, they're essentially in. Now, of course, you still had to wait for the Bayou Classic, but if you if you win, you're in. Twenty to three, dominating this team. They had two freshman quarterback uh, quarterbacks playing. Neither one of them was effective. The defense was dominant. It was just it was their day. They were rolling. So in the fourth quarter, Alabama AM scores a touchdown, 20 to 10. Okay, yeah, okay, still two score, you know, game in the fourth quarter. Texas Southern gets the ball. Andrew Body is going in for the score that would have made it 26 to 10. At the one and a half yard line, maybe the half yard line, he gets hit, fumbles the ball out of the back of the end zone, and turns over the ball to Alabama A&M, to the Bulldogs. Now, keep in mind, during this time, I'm excited. I'm like, okay, I have to make calls. We got to book flights. We're going to Jackson. We're getting a rematch with Jackson State. This is about to happen. And normally, I'm pretty good about not let, counting a win before they're all zeros on the clock. I'm pretty good about that. I usually do really well about, hey, this isn't over. This isn't over. But I felt like it was over. They were dominating this team, doing a lot of what they wanted to do. They missed some opportunities. But let me say this. Let me preface all this by saying the only kicker, active kicker on the roster was hurt. Okay, one kicker left the team midseason, the starter. 
Uh, Richard Garcia the third left, transferring whatever that backstory is. Is that backstory? I don't know, but I know he left uh, it was seemingly abruptly, and he went somewhere else. Or just he left school. So that left Curtis Falkenberg. Falkenberg was not only the kicker but the punter as well versus Grambling. Well, of course, Texas Southern blows out Grambling in that game. The a punt was tipped and he his leg got hit, so his foot was hit and he got hurt. So he was not available. So we had no kicker. And after Andrew Body fumbled the ball, he never returned. He was injured. So because the team didn't have any kicker, they tried no extra points and went forward on a couple of occasions when, in which they would have attempted a field goal. Pretty reasonable field goals. But they didn't have a choice. They had to go for it. Um, went for uh, two-point conversions. On, out of three touchdowns, they only converted one of those two-point conversions. And so there you have it. And so, okay, still you're leading 20 to 10 with about, uh, about what, six minutes left, 10 minutes left. And quickly they score. Texas Southern comes back. You have a sophomore quarterback that has not played very much at all. Um, maybe play some. I, I, to my recollection, he played in at the home in a homecoming game, and I don't think he's played much. He might have played a few snaps against Grambling, but nothing of significance uh, as, as when it comes to playing time. It's all it been about Andrew Body. So Andrew Body's out. You don't convert on a fourth down in less than a yard or, or about a yard. There was a quarterback sneak by Alabama A and M that went for thirty one yards or thirty nine yards. For the winning score, and it just was a devastating. You gave up 21 points in the fourth quarter, and it was a tough loss on many levels because even if you didn't go to the SWAC championship, it would have been your first official winning record since 2000, and it would have been a good sign for Coach McKinney just to, to finish the season on a high note with a two-game win streak. It just wasn't to be. And it was a heartbreaking way to leave the season because I thought, man, I thought this Saturday I was going to Jackson, Mississippi. If only for 45 minutes. It was a hard belief for 45 minutes, and it didn't come through for the Tigers. But I'll say this about that entire situation. Coach McKinney has the team going in the right direction, and you look at signs uh, of progress. Obviously, five wins on the season. We went 4-1 and one in your division. A division in which in preseason you were predicted to be the sixth team. You 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 were picked sixth in the Swags Western Division. You went four and one in that division. And you really had a chance until the very last minute to go to the SWAG championship. So hey, let's hope that everybody comes back. Still a really young team. Body will be a junior next year. In addition to that, you have running backs that'll come back. And they'll be productive. And, and uh, I mean, you have uh, Owens coming back, Angie Corey Howard. You have a receiving core that will start in the jail and come along. They're still pretty young. And, uh, you know, but you never know. With NIL stuff going on and the transfer portal and, and people tapping kids on the shoulder and going through back channels to reach out to them, you never know. And uh, you hope that all of this momentum that Coach Prime created in the SWAC continues, and a lot of kids enter that portal wanting to come to the SWAC. And, of course, a rising tide lifts all boats if the, you know if that energy is still there. And I think it will be in a lot of ways. 
I think that that will help even more recruits come and compete in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. They have a great television deal. They have a lot of exposure. They have great attendance. So all of those things are going for the conference. You have a great leader in Dr. Charles McClellan. And so even if Prime leaves, and, uh, and it seems like Coach Prime is going to leave, we don't know. Probably by the time you hear this, he'll have on a, a Rams no, it's a buff. Colorado State are the the Rams, but he'll have on a buff uh, <laughs> or a Bulls uh, logo. Bulls or South Florida. So we'll see. Maybe this is much ado about nothing, but I think this probably signals the end of his run at Jackson State. Eleven and zero on the season. You still have to get past Southern, who beat uh, Grambling in the Bayou Classic, and uh, yeah, we'll see. But speaking of New Orleans. Speaking of the swag, speaking of Texas Southern, speaking of uh, just primetime players, Cortez Hankton had a chance to catch up with him. And uh, I, I didn't mention this, but I played in his softball tournament back when I was in. I wasn't in prime softball shape, but I still had it in me when I played. And he had a celebrity uh, softball tournament for charity back in the day. I didn't mention that with him. I should have mentioned that. But nonetheless, a great, great individual. He is really more about, more than just about wins and losses. He's about affecting the change in young men's lives. And who knows, maybe we can get him back in the swag as a head coach one of these days. I asked him about coaching. I kind of, I really kind of meant about coming back to the swag. I don't know if I was clear about that, but maybe, maybe we'll get him back in the swag one day. But here's our conversation with LSU wide receiver, coach, and passing game coordinator and TSU legend, Cortez Hanks. Promise joined now by a TSU great and the current wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator, Cortez Hankton. How are you this afternoon? Man, I'm doing awesome, man. What about yourself? I'm doing great, and it's great to catch up with you. Of course, a lot of folks are from your TSU family keep up with you. I'm amongst those and have followed your career from Dartmouth to now LSU. It's been a whirlwind year for you, and I guess I can start by calling you champ. Congratulations, champ, on the national championship. Talk a little bit about how wild your year has been. Man, I, well, well, first and, and foremost, it, it's, it's been a blessing. Regardless of how busy and active it's been, I'm definitely blessed to be an opportunity that I'm in and I have a family to support what I do. Um, the national championship, man, it, it's still surreal. Even when I, I see highlights uh, every now and then go check out that championship ring, it's, uh, it's surreal. I mean, you're talking about an amazing experience and and the work that was put into it. You know, as a team, we had a lot of growth over the last couple of years. And, uh, man, it, it was it was it was finally good to climb that mountaintop, I should say. Yeah, well, I know it took a couple of tries, but you guys finally broke through and got it done at Georgia. Now you win the championship and now you join the staff of Brian Kelly at LSU. What went behind that move? I mean, I would imagine some of it is personal because it's a little bit closer to home. But what were some of the, the factors that went into you going to uh, LSU and leaving Georgia? Well, the, the two biggest things for me were opportunity and growth. I mean, the last four years I had opportunity to grow 
uh, you know, at the University of Georgia. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely thankful for all that Kirby Smart, you know, has done for me. But uh, when I looked at the track track record of, of, of Coach Kelly and everywhere he's been, you know, he's been a winner. And also what he's done in terms of help promoting his coaches. You know, he, he's had a, a bunch of coaches that he's promoted without prior experience we're talking about to coordinator roles and guys who also went on to be head coach and you know it was my opportunity to also to work with an offensive mind and head coach again so you know that being said it's always a blessing to come back home and and to coach for a program for institution that i watched growing up as, as, a, as a little boy man in holly grove <laughs> holly grove in new orleans so Man, it's like I said, it's it's all been surreal. It's all been, you know, very busy, but it's also been a blessing. And, um, you know, I'm I'm really excited and hopeful to see what we're going to do this season. Being a New Orleans native as you are, now, it's my understanding as an outsider, I'm from Houston. So has the popularity of LSU grown? Because I know it has it sort of ebbed and flowed, especially in the African-American community. No, I, I'm, I'm going to say this, man. I think that if you're from the state of Louisiana, the majority of our state has been <laughs> LSU Tiger fan. And, you know, the last couple of years, when you look at it, it has been rough for them. But I don't think that the, the fan base decreased by, by, by no means. You know, I, I think it's still there. The love for LSU is still there. And I think the excitement of the transition is here. And so I know everybody's looking forward to what we're going to do this year. And um, like even on this side of it as a staff, we're hopeful that we're going to do some big things. And I don't want to dive too deep into LSU, but I do want to ask you about Brian Kelly. There have been there were questions coming in. Could he connect with a Southern fan base with his background? Is that something that you've seen him overcome to this point? Or what are your thoughts on that? Man, at the end of the day, here's what I realized, and, and just being from the South, but also have, having an opportunity to work in different places, you know, from, from New Hampshire to Nashville, Athens, Georgia. You know, I've been a couple of places, and what I realized at the end of the day, people want to be around good people. And Coach Kelly is, a, is first and foremost a good, a good human being. He's a good man. And um, I think that in itself, when people really – dissected and got to the root of who he is as a person and what he's done as a coach, they become really excited about it. So, you know, I, I think, at, you know, the initial reaction is, oh, man, is he a fit? He coming from Notre Dame. But at the end of the day, man, he's been a winner every way he's been. And he's a good man who has really good intentions for the people in our organization. I want to ask you about the pressure of being in the SEC. It's not like anything else. I'm sure it's a 365-day-a-year kind of job. When you talk about the scrutiny and the fan bases and the intensity of the coverage of those programs, talk a little bit about what it's like to be immersed in the culture of SEC football. <laughs> you know, well, it's head-busting. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I just I, I think about – the grind that it takes to, to, to not only be successful, but to sustain. And you have to do, it's truly 365, 24-7, because you can talk about the football piece of it, but there's something that's even bigger than that. And let's talk about the recruiting. Because for you to have success, you got to have good players to develop um, and to be a part of your team. And so, like, that that has been a nonstop grind in the SEC because you're constantly competing against the best of the best, and not only on the football field, but also you're battling those same people in terms of recruiting. So, um, I mean, it, look, the grind and the pressure is real, but also the rewards are, are just that good and plentiful on the opposite side of it. So I have no complaints here. 
sort of as a sidebar, you know, NIL, as you, I'm sure, recruit year-round, the NIL component has come into it. How has that affected you to this point? Have, have coaches been able to wrap their heads around all the different aspects that come with NIL deals for the student-athletes? You know, as a coach and organization, as things come up, you have to evolve. And what you try to do is get all the information and research and just how it all ties in. And also, um, you, you, you have to be able to present that information to the prospective student athlete. And, you know, what happens now is that you have third parties involved that wasn't involved before that are representing these guys and also um, the brands that our players also representing to to allow to use their name image likeness so you know it's 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 still some some work that needs to be done just in terms of providing the guidelines and the structure to it but you know for us man you just you got to got to keep it moving (laughs) you know and you you have to be able to adapt and adjust to it and i think that that we have so you know for the players i think as a former student athlete and especially you know, when you're talking about a billion dollar in- industry in college sports, you know, I think they have every right to earn off their name image likeness. want to ask you about the expansion and, and sort of the changing landscape. And I know, you, like you said, it's, talk, it's all about adjustments, but it looks like the, the entire landscape of uh, college football is about to change. Of course, a couple of schools that I'm really familiar with, Texas and OU, are coming to the SEC. What do you think about the direction all the college football is moving towards. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's 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 very interesting because I haven't thought about it a lot, and 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 probably because I'm so in it that I haven't given it really much thought. But it'd just be interesting to see how the whole Power Five structure unfolds and how the NC2A is going to try to manage or still maintain a structure for, for what it is. But, you know, as powerful as this conference is, man, already, you know, and as it grows, I, I can't even predict what it's going to look like five or ten years from now. You know, if you'd asked me five years ago that Texas and and, um, and Oklahoma were coming to the SEC, I, I wouldn't have believed it. You know, you, you have a team like Texas, and I'm, t- I'm talking about just from the outside looking in who, who's at their own network television network and now they're coming to the sec where the sec has its own network so you're like man how how does that whole deal work out and essentially they're giving up something to come and get something and you know it just tells you how powerful that this conference and the and the brand of this conference is as a whole and so you see how the the alignments are happening to other conferences is is just you know more and more than anything i'm just curious to see what conference is going to be the one that's left in the dark and um, and yeah. that's that's you know looks like there'll be a couple we'll a couple of years. Yeah, it's gonna be a couple. I mean, a couple of big boys may be sort of left behind. It, it seems, but a lot is left on the table to shake out. Want to ask you a common thread in your career is on and off the field, your ability and your desire to help young men, whether it's on the field or off the field. Talk a little bit about that. And where did that come from, your desire to help your community that you're, you're in and help connect players with those communities? Um, first and foremost, this starts at home and just always being humble and being a good person. And also, um, you know, I think back to my grandfather and how he was always a mentor to the young men in the neighborhood. And he was somebody that I looked up to. And, and for me, the passion of football is it, it just it, it, it provides me the platform 
to to really support another passion and that's to really pour into young men and to develop young men and so that has been a common thread and and i think that there's the pleasure in that really makes coaching the game even that much more rewarding is because i get to coach a game that i love more anything more than anything i get to, to to develop young men and teach them about life not just about ball because for me it's always been bigger than ball it's about cultivating relationships and, and watch these boys truly grow from boys to men but but I think that also leads into, you know, because we're so blessed, there's an obligation to make sure we pour back into com- to the community and the underprivileged and those who are not as, you know, privileged as, as we are. And I'm just talking about the resources and how do we pour back into the community and, and, and grant opportunities to those who don't have those same opportunities. So just finding ways to really be intentional about finding you know, the most pressing needs in communities and, and then addressing them. And so that's something that as a professional and even as a coach that I try to do, you know, wherever I've been. Well, I want to talk about a little bit of your, uh, a little bit about your personal history course at Texas Southern University. And I'll tell you this, and I, I may have mentioned this before, you know, I had the privilege of calling the longest touchdown in Texas Southern history, and that was your touchdown against Texas State. Uh, talk a little bit about what Texas Southern did for you and TSU football. How did that help you pr- help prepare you for where you are now? Man, you know, I, I always, the, the, the man that I, I owe a lot to just really, by watching, observing, and then the conversation we have as a rest in peace, you know, Bill Thomas, you know, he did a lot for me just in terms of my development as a young man. He taught me how to be a pro. He taught me, you know, how not only to talk the talk, but walk the walk in a, in a, in a, in a humble way, man. And I just, it was something that how he developed his, his roster. And what I mean by that from top to bottom, it didn't matter if you were the best player, the worst person, if you was a good person, he looked out for you. And I've always respected that. And and so, you know, TSU has, has done a lot for me because how, this is how I feel. When you play in the swag and the resources that we had, it was always a grind and you you had to earn everything that you, you got. And I think that the same mentality and that scrapping has carried over not only to my professional career in terms of playing football, but also as a coach. You know, you just you approach it as you, you always try to outwork your opponent. You stay humble no matter how much success you had. And you just continue to push forward and also try to take care of the people around. You You know, and so when you talk about the things that I've learned at TSU, I, I think it's all encompassing just in terms of things that I've just spoken about and, and what Coach Thomas and, and the university has done for me. Well, I know you haven't been able to maybe pay close attention, but from afar, you've seen, I'm sure you've probably picked up on the fact that there's a lot of energy around HBCUs and around the SWAC. The SWAC has expanded, adding Bethune-Cookman and FAMU. And, of course, Dion, he is uh, making headlines constantly on behalf of Jackson State and the entire conference. Uh, what are your thoughts on the evolution of the SWAC? What, what, do you enjoy seeing what you've seen uh, of the SWAC? Man, I, I love it as, as an HBCU grad, as, as, a, as a guy that, that came born and bred in the swag. You know, I love to see it. And, you know, and it's and you, you have to think about it. It had to take somebody like Dion, who who was on the big stage 
in every step of his career, right? When you're talking about being at FSU and the type of player that he was there, professionally, bas- I mean, um, baseball and football and, and what he's done, and, and, you know, just his persona and everything, it, it really has helped catapult not only Jackson State, but also the SWAC. And it also has highlighted some deficiencies that we've had in the conference just in terms of resources, and hopefully it's helped ignite the, the people surrounding those programs just in terms of giving back. You know, so the publicity that we've gotten, and I say we've because I'm always going to be from the swag that we've gotten has has been a good thing, in my opinion. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what's going to happen as we continue to move forward. Want to ask you, of course, you you talk about working with Coach Kelly and helping prepare you for the next stage. Obviously, at some point, I would imagine you want to be a head coach. When you look at folks, especially former NFL guys like yourself, like Eddie mm-hmm. Robinson and, and Bubba McDowell and Hugh Jackson with NFL roots as a coach, and, and of course, Dion, is that appealing to you as, as in the future? Do you see these jobs seem to be more appealing for a broader base of candidates? Is that something that uh, could be possible in your future yeah it, it always has been at what point i'm i'm not sure you know you know that the the lord has blessed me with these opportunities up to this point and you know I'll, I'll continue to 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 do what i'm supposed to do and so you know we shall see you know my goal is to be a head coach one day you know where that will be like who knows you know all i can do is is, is try to prepare for the next season the best way that i can and then take advantage of it you know, whatever opportunities come my way. Before we let you get out of here, want to give you a chance to acknowledge uh, your family and your personal support system. You, uh, you've you done a really good job of keeping your family in the forefront publicly and involving them uh, from things that I've seen uh, with your job to the extent that you can. Talk a little bit about that support system and what's that meant for you. Well, my, my wife, Sean, I mean, I, I think that, you know, for me, one, I got to talk about the why, and that's to make sure I make the sacrifices of my family count. And as a, you know, a wife of, of a football coach, you know, it's a lot of time <laughs> that sacrifice. And um, Sean, she does an amazing job just in terms of helping me balance, you know, not the, the, the work-life balance. It, it can be, you know, pretty hard to, to maintain. And she does an amazing job of helping me, you know, with that. As long as helping you know, really support and 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 um, help our boys grow. You know, Tripp and Cruz is six and three now, and um, you know they love football, and so she'll bring them around to the facility and the practices, as, as you know, as much as time allows. And that part of it in itself, you know, just that every every second, every minute that we can spend together, even if it's away from home and in a facility or on the field, you know, it means something. And to them. They love being around the players. You know, they love being on the field after practice, throwing the ball around. And th- those are the moments that, you know, we remember the most. And at the end of the day, if my family is going to, you know, make that sacrifice of time, I got to make sure the time that's being sacrificed, I make it count. And so I, I couldn't do it without her. I couldn't do it without them. And, you know, I'm really thankful for them. Finally, I want to ask you, uh, do you have any, what would you say to the folks that you know and don't know from the Texas Southern family that root for you, that have followed you every step of the way, that have prayed for your success, rooted for your success? What do you say to your TSU faithful? That I'm forever grateful for the support, that I, th- I thank them 
um, for following me for from for their prayers and and I love them. You know, I'll always be a TSU Tiger, and and you know, I'll never forget my roots. Well, we certainly thank you for your time, and we'll be keeping up with you. And again, I'll, I'll have that tape somewhere, that audio of that ninety-nine yard touchdown. You remember that one? Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, I do. <laughs> man, I, I appreciate it too, man. Um, you know, I had a lot of a lot of great memories, a lot of great memories that I'm thankful for. And, and so nowadays, you can say "Go Tigers" for, for two teams and, and mean it. I mean, you the Tiger more ways than one, man. Like that's that's love for real. Hey, man, we look forward to it, and, and thanks a lot for your time. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. Great conversation with Cortez Hankton. You know, they lost the other night to Texas A&M, and Texas A&M stormed the field on that. Now, that gave them their fifth win of the season, five and seven. And I tweeted this. I mean, that's small program energy. That is not... That's not what you sign up for if you're Texas A&M and you're paying Jimbo Fisher $87 million. You don't storm the field for a three-loss team, a team you made a three-loss team, and <laughs> you are not even bowl eligible. Is that what we're doing now, A&M? We're storming the field. We're not even bowl eligible? This is Texas A&M. Now, again, if you're around the country, you say, oh, that's Texas A&M. But in Texas, they think that they are UT. And they are not. And uh, that was real small program energy storming the field after that victory. I, I get it. You finished strong. Still no ball. And you did, it wasn't like LSU was the number one team. They're not even favored to win the SEC championship. Who knows? They could. But now they can't even go to the playoff, even if they were. There was discussion that if they beat Georgia in the SEC championship, that they may get that fourth bid to the playoffs. Nah, I don't know if that would have happened. USC is looking pretty strong with a big win over Notre Dame. But nonetheless, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, I want to remind you guys, go to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook. Give us a call on the sports line. Talk about Deshaun. Talk about TSU. Talk about the Astros. Talk about Jose Abreu coming to the Astros. Talk about anything you want to talk about. Dallas Cowboys. We'll even take Dallas Cowboys calls. 832-941-6614. Leave a message and you might end up on the very next podcast. If you can't remember any of that, please, please, please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.